Good morning, we start the Parsha of Bichu Kosai. This is a Parsha of punishment, well, of reward for following the commandments, but it's also a Parsha of punishment to us if we will disobey God and not follow His commandments. Of course, we're going to start with the positive, but then we'll also go through all of the curses called the Tochacha in this week's Parsha. But let's start from the beginning. Says the Torah, In Bichu Kosai Telechu, which literally would mean, if you go in the ways of my statutes, and you will guard my commandments, my mitzvot. So obviously you can't be saying the same thing twice. Chukim are statutes, are laws of God, and mitzvot are the commandments of God. So Rashi tells us that the first part of the verse is not talking about doing the mitzvot, it's talking about studying the Torah. To study the Torah. So if you will go in my ways, meaning you will study my Torah. And you will guard my commandments. I promise you all of these blessings. Chayk, aside from being a super rational law, you know what else it means? The word chok. Chukim is from the word chok, right? A chok is a statute. A law that has no explanation. What else does a chok mean? That's that's a statute of God that has no logical explanation. But in addition, the word chok comes from the word chakika. Chakika means... Engraved. Engraved. When you write something, ink on paper, it's called ksiva. That's called writing. So you take ink, you put it onto parchment, you got a word. Chakika is say you take a stone, tombstone, God forbid, or another stone, and you engrave a plaque, and you engrave into the plaque, you're engraving uh, words. You're not putting ink onto, you're not writing on the plaque, you're engraving. Correct? So you're engraving. So the Torah is saying here, if you will learn my Torah in the way of that it's like a chok, in a way that it becomes engraved within you. So some people call it in Torah like writing letters on paper, on parchment. Yeah, it's a nice idea. It has nothing to do with me. <laughs> Theoretically, in the abstract world, yeah, interesting. Torah has to be learned in a way that it becomes like a chok, that it becomes engraved in the way of chakika, that it becomes engraved inside us. So it's inseparable. When you write with ink on, page, on parchment, it could break afterwards, right? You can erase it, you can scratch it off. The two are connected, but they're not united to one new entity. They still remain two entities. Prove me, and you can separate them one day. But when Torah becomes engraved within you, can you ever unengrave something you engraved into a stone? No, the, the, the letters are the stone. There's no separation of letter and stone. The, the letters on the plaque are the plaque. Correct? So when we learn Torah in the way the Torah becomes engraved within us, becomes one with us, this is the ultimate way of learning Torah, and then God promises reward. So here we come to the main theme of the parasha, which is the reward and the punishment for doing what God tells us to do. Yes? If you do what God says to do, we're going to read now a whole bunch of verses, a tremendous blessing will come upon you. And then we're going to learn tomorrow, if you don't go in the ways of God, tremendous punishment comes upon you. A whole list of curses called the Teichachah that comes upon us. So this is the basis, the basic level of a Jew's observance of Torah. If I do what Hashem says, He'll reward me. If I don't do what He says, He'll punish me. That's the basic level of reward and punishment. One of the fundamental 13 principles of faith. Reward and punishment. However, obviously in the deeper level, a Jew doesn't only do mitzvahs because God will give us a reward. Right? Why do we do a mitzvah? For the sake of connecting to Hashem, for the sake of the mitzvah, which is the act of connection, the act of being united with God. 
And in fact, let's read, you know what, let's do it like this. Let's read through the rewards that God promises us and tell me how physical the reward sounds versus how spiritual the rewards sound. Let's see if there's any godly, spiritual delight promised to Jews as a result of doing the mitzvot. Yes? Let's see, what are the rewards that God promises us if we go in the ways of Hashem and we study the Torah, we internalize the Torah, we do the mitzvot. By the way, the word im starts with the letter Aleph, and the last letter of this chap, this paragraph that talks about the reward for doing mitzvot is the word komimiyot, which means upright, but the word komimiyot ends with the letter Tough. So you have from the letter Aleph to the letter Tough, every blessing in the Aleph is included, every letter, every blessing of every letter of the Aleph is included in this paragraph of blessing that the Jews will get. All the blessings. So if people give a blessing, I give you a blessing from Aleph to Tough. This is an expression in Yiddish. I give you a blessing from Aleph bis Tough. Every blessing in the book, from the letter Aleph, all of the letter Tough, <laughs> it's all included in the blessing. So, what's the blessings? I will give you rain in your time. What does it mean in your time? The right season. Right? Rain in the wrong season, not only is it not a blessing, it could be the opposite of a blessing. So I'll give you rain in the right time. In addition, the right time could be the right time of day. On the Friday night, says the Gemara, when people are, in, are home. I don't know. That, this past Friday night <laughs> wasn't like that. But Friday night when, yeah, when uh, you're home, or Wednesday night when people don't travel, that's the night that you'll get the rain. And the earth will give forth its full produce from the rain that falls, even though it's only raining twice a week. It's raining not a lot of time, because we don't want rain to disturb our business, being able to travel and be able to go where we need to go. Even in the small amount of rain, it will be a tremendous produce, a tremendous yield of crop, that even the trees of the field that are not normally fruit-bearing trees, even the fruits of the trees will, uh, will give forth it's it's uh it's a uh, fruit. By the way, there's a beautiful, beautiful lesson message in here too. The eight sasad that we're talking about that the fruit of the tree will give forth its fruit. It's a reference, it's a hidden reference to the reward of Mashiach. I'm going off subject. When the trees will give fruit the way God said that they should give fruit. And you're familiar with the story of Genesis, when God told the fruits, the trees to give fruit, what was the original plan of God? First of all, the fruit came off the tree immediately. Today you plant a tree, from when you plant the tree, till the tree grows, and then it can have fruit coming, it can take a long time. When God made it, so it said, let there be fruit of the tree, immediately the fruit came off the tree, there was no months of blooming, ripening, harvesting you know, until the fruit was ready. In addition, the fruit and the, the tree itself, the bark of the tree, tasted like the fruit of the tree. That was what God's commanded to do. The fruit trees didn't listen. They said, if we're going to taste like like uh, apples, so the actual tree will have a taste of apple. People start eating the trees, and guess what happened to the trees? No more trees <laughs> will become extinct. So therefore, the trees only gave forth fruit that tasted like fruit, not the trees. So that they were punished. But in the future, they'll have a reward that even the the eight has saw that the tree, the wood, eight means the wood, the wood of the fruit tree will also have the taste of the fruit the way Hashem had originally uh, promised. Anyway, there'll be so much grain that the threshing will occupy you until the grape harvest. And you'll be so busy with the grape harvest that you won't have time to even rest until we come time to sow the fields again for the grain. So you'll be going from one harvest to the next where you won't have time to uh, rest. You're going to be so busy that, you, that you'll have your, we're going to learn in a second, that you're going to have your, uh, your, your, your granaries will be so full of this year's produce 
of last year's produce that when you want to put in this year's produce, you won't have room. So you're going to have to empty out last year's produce just to make room for the new produce, so you're going to have so much produce. Not only will you have so much food, here's another blessing, you'll eat the food, you'll eat your bread in a way of being satiated. It's a very special blessing, because you can have a lot and not be happy, and not be satisfied. You have a person who can have a million dollars, two million dollars, let's say a lot of grain, a lot of produce, his, his granary can be full to the max with grain, and he's still worried. What will happen if this happens, and maybe that the, maybe this client will come back, and maybe there'll be a, you know whatever. The brain is very smart, and the brain can make us worry even when the house is full of you know, grain. We're still not satisfied, and then we can eat, and we can eat in a way that we ate a lot of food. We don't feel good about what we ate. We don't have a feeling of satisfaction, so we should be satisfied in the food that we eat. But it doesn't only mean to eat that you after you had a good meal. Like ah, I feel full. It means that you should eat your bread. Bread is always a, um, a euphemism for our parnasa, our income, our, our wealth. Should be in a way of satisfaction. The yeshavtim levetach ba'artzach will dwell securely in our land, without fear of a drought, without fear of Hashem taking away our uh, our parnasa. Also, not being afraid of enemies coming and attacking us, etc. As that's what the next verse says. Not only will you be full of food and you'll be have so much produce that the land will be overproducing, and you'll be eating in the way of you're satisfied. You can't. You're so. Secure the land. Hashem promises, I'll give shalom ba'aretz. I'll give peace in the land. What's the value of wealth if there's no peace? Right? So you can have a very rich country, and then the enemies come to attack it to try and steal the money. <laughs> what does that help you, right? Still not peace. So Hashem promises peace in the land. You will lie down and you won't be afraid, not only from the, from the wild beasts of the land, not from any foreign enemy, not even a sword will pass through your land. Meaning not only will you not be attacked, but an enemy won't even want to go to attack another country through your land where you'll even see the, uh, the fear of war. If an enemy will attack you, you will chase after your enemies, but you won't even have to kill them yourself because they will fall before you on their own sword. That's how big that panic will be. They'll kill themselves or they'll kill each other. In the state of panic, you won't even have to kill them. There's stories in Tanakh where this happened. In recent history, we saw this about the Six-Day War. A six-day war. The Jews were coming in the Sinai Desert. You have stories where the, the, the Egyptians were running, saw their shoes in all different directions. There's such a panic amongst the Egyptians. They fled on their own. Not even, the Jews didn't even have to do anything. It says the next verse, Five Jewish soldiers will chase away a hundred of the enemy's soldiers. So do the math. You get a math? What's the ratio? 20. One to twenty. Continues the verse, And a hundred of you will chase away a myriad. A myriad is 10,000. One to 100. So if you just follow the same math, if 5 is to 100, 1 to 20, so then how many soldiers should 100 be able to chase away? 100. No. 100 Jewish soldiers should be 2,000 enemy soldiers, right? 1 to 20, right? Guys, I'll need some more coffee. 1 to 20. (laughs) If 5 to 100 is 1 to 20, so 100 Jewish soldiers should chase away 2,000, 2,000. But here's the power of Hashem's blessing, that the power of the Jews, that a hundred Jews, the power of holiness, grows so much more that when you have a hundred Jews, it's not just now we can chase away 2,000 soldiers, but now they can chase away 10,000 soldiers. So their power increased from 20 to 100. That's a five times increase. Shows you the power, by the way, davening with the minion coming to show when you daven on your own, you can be holy. When you have an increased holiness together, the power of Jews uniting, when you have a minion in the room, 
It's not that, okay, instead of, you know, I have my, my power is one, now we're just added it all together. There's an there's a exponential increase in spiritual power and holiness when you have many Jews together, that the hundred Jewish soldiers now can chase away 10,000 because of the power of the combination. It makes, just like when you lift up, it's like a, ta- a table, right? So you have a table that's, uh, let's say I can lift a hundred pound table and you can lift a hundred pound table. Together, we can lift much more than a 200 pound table though. We can lift a 500 pound table together. I don't know exact you know, numbers there, but that's the idea. That together, two people can lift something much heavier than each of them could lift half of on their own. So that's the power of joining Jews together. Okay. Continuing with Phoenicia, Hashem says, I will turn my time from all of the other things I'm busy doing in the world to give my reward upon you that are sitting and studying the Torah. I'll make you fruitful. I'll make you numerous, a lot. Make your children many, many, many. Uh, and I will establish my, com- my covenant with you. You'll be eating the old grain when you have to bring out the storage for the new grain. You, I'll have my mishkan, my sanctuary. The temple will dwell in your midst. And my presence, Hashem, will be among the Jewish people. Hashem will be living amongst us. We'll become so close to Hashem that we'll feel the presence of Hashem walking amongst us. And you will not be afraid. I will be your God. And you will be my people. I am Hashem Elokechem. The God who took you out of Egypt, not, instead of being servants and slaves to the Egyptian people, instead I broke the yoke, the crossbars of your yoke that was upon you. Know what a yoke is? Americans don't know what a yoke is. A yoke is not the egg uh, yoke. A yoke is when you have an animal that's an ox that's plowing in the field. The way you make the ox plow is you put a yoke on the shoulders of the ox and then you attach the plow to the yoke. And that's how the, the plow, how the ox plows your field with a yoke. So Hashem said, I broke the yoke, this uh, burden is on your shoulders. I broke it from upon you. I took you out of the land of Egypt upright. Kamemius means with an upright posture, with a way of strength and uh, you know, dignity. So I took you out of the upright, like an upright person. In addition, Kamemius means that in the future God will make us very tall again. Like we were in the beginning of creation. When Adam was created, how tall was Adam? That's correct. Very good. A hundred almost high. Very good, Yosef. He blocked the sun, he says. He was so tall. He was huge. A hundred cubits. That's like 150, uh, 180 feet tall. Yeah, pretty big, huh? They were giants back then. And then, because of our sins, we became smaller. We, became, we, 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 we diminished. We diminished in physical stature because we diminished in spiritual stature. So when Mashiach will come again, we'll become very, much, much bigger because our stature will become much, much greater. And all of this is a reward for us listening to Hashem. However, we're going to learn tomorrow. If you don't listen, comes a negative. But I was going to finish off by saying, most of this reward is all physical. You'll have produce and so much produce that the old grain won't even have space for the new grain, and you'll have, you won't fight your enemies, and you'll win the wars, and that uh, you'll have children. But what's the point? How do we look at these blessings? As I say the point, how do we look at these blessings with Chassidus? It's not just that Hashem is saying, if you listen to me, then I'm going to give you the ability, I'll give you wealth. These blessings are the way, these blessings are the way that we're able to serve Hashem. These are the tools for us serving Hashem. That's one thing. But that's not the ultimate explanation of Chassidus, though, is that when the Jew becomes so connected to Hashem, that we're serving God properly, not just that we're spiritually rewarded. The, the, the proof of our spiritual connection is that it comes, it's permeated even to our physicality. Give you an example. You see a guy sitting, and he's like all uh, 
Fabisit. You know, that means all like he looks like sour face. So he said, Why aren't you happy today? He said, I am happy. And he said, You are happy, so, so why aren't you smiling? I don't need a smile to be happy, right? Does he need a smile to be happy? Theoretically not, but the smile is the expression of your happiness. The smile is not what makes you happy, right? A person put on a fake smile, and the, but when you're happy, it's, if you're really happy, it will express itself in your physical body. If a person is truly happy, the body itself will reveal your happiness. Right? That's what happens. You're, you're, you're in a good mood. You can see someone's in a good mood. They're, they're, they're bouncy. They're, their face is glowing. They're, they're cheerful. Why? Because when something permeates you, going back to what we started about the idea of engraving the Torah inside you, when godliness is permeated within us, has such an impact on us, that our physical existence, our physical parnas, our wealth, our produce, our, spirit, our security in the land, our safety, our wars, etc., etc., they're permeated with God's blessings because of how, how connected we become to Hashem.